Dotty, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. As we are here to cover two games, the victory over the Carolina Panthers, a 21-18 come-from-behind victory, and the loss on Thursday night football to the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a game that was closer than people thought, but a lot of that could have been Tampa just trying to get out of there alive as the, as the Buccaneers defeated the Eagles 28-22, to and the Eagles are now on their mini-bye heading to Vegas next weekend. I'm your host, LG Harrell, and joining me as always is my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, what's going on, man? Not much, man. I'm just, uh, you know, enjoying a Sunday, a stress-free Sunday where you just get to flip on the red zone and watch all the games and enjoy some things you might not get to see every Sunday. And I mean, I, I know we're combining two games, so it's not really a victory green hour. It's more of a neutral green hour, but it's still going to be fun to talk about some things. There's some positive, there's some negatives, and there's also a massive trade. Yes, which we will start with, but first, um, as always, Please follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. And please rate and review the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you are listening to us right now. And follow our partners over at Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL. And on this sun this Sunday, we get football all day as right now the Miami Dolphins are facing the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. Then you get the for those on the Eastern, you know, uh, Eastern Standard Time, the one o'clock game, the four o'clock games, Sunday night football. It's a full day of football. And like you said, Connor, nothing but red zone and a stress free day as we do have rooting interest. You know, we're rooting for Jacksonville because we have Miami's first round pick. Uh, we're rooting for the Colts to lose because and for Carson to play every snap because we potentially can get the Colts first round pick. And as where things stand right now, the Eagles have three top ten picks in the first round which is outstanding which is amazing and the only downfall to that is Howie Roseman probably the guy that will be making those picks and well we know how that could potentially go but Connor as you mentioned we have a big trade to talk about as the Philadelphia Eagles trade a three-time Pro Bowl tight end Zach Ertz to the Arizona Cardinals for a 2022 fifth round pick and rookie cornerback Tay Gowan who the Eagles were high on coming into the draft. Connor, I know you were high on, so I know you'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, a guy from UCF who who didn't play last year because of COVID, he opted out. Um, but he's a, he's a big guy, has 4-4 speed. Now he's only played, I think, I don't think he's played any defensive snaps uh, for the Cardinals. And as Eagles fans, we can't anticipate he's going to come in and play right away. We have Zach McPherson. He's played two defensive snaps. So this is a guy that they're going to look to groom and maybe take over, you know, the number two cornerback spot next year since Steven Nelson is only on a one-year deal. Connor, your thoughts on the trade, and then I'll give mine after you, you go. Well, obviously, you know, it sucks to see Zach Ertz go, and like I get the emotions are running high for Eagles fans, but this is a better return than anticipated. When you looked at it, the situation in the offseason – how he wanted a third or how he wanted a fourth. It was pretty unrealistic given the circumstances surrounding their, their last season where Zach Ertz had a career down season. Um, you can't really capitalize on that. And then, you know, Dallas Goddard went down. So massive opportunity to make Zach Ertz a focal point, point of the offense, give him some value and move him. And of course, right before game time, Jay Glazer dropped the bombshell that he expected one of the two tight ends moved by the end of the week. 
And then Ertz goes out there. He's the most targeted player. He scores a touchdown. And bam, we wake up on uh, Friday morning and he's traded around mid-morning. So it all kind of sounds like it was a perfect storm for Howie. And especially uh, the Cardinals losing Max Williams for the season. And Max Williams was becoming a pretty focal point of that offense as well. Despite all the weapons that they have, he was becoming a red zone weapon for them as well. Um, So I think they knew they needed a tight end. They knew they needed another asset to help them out. And it was a, you know, the investment in Tay Gowan was was cheap. He is a, he, I find him very underrated. He's a very sticky corner. He's a good man-to-man corner. He he mirrors guys really well. He's very long, which is really nice. Um, and I mean, one thing that I've noticed is we tend to shy away from the cornerbacks who like to be. Well, maybe not shy away. Maybe they're just not being used in the way they should be, which is another way to look at it. But guys who aren't afraid to get in someone's face, use those initial few yards to their advantage, really give that front four some extra time to time to attack the quarterback and create some pressure. Um, and Tay Gowan's one of those guys, and I really liked him, and I really hoped that Philly would go for him. But instead, they went pretty heavy down this. They went Zach McPherson earlier than anticipated and then they kind of focused on uh defensive edges and linebackers for the remainder of the draft after that point so Tay Gowan kind of became an afterthought and then I think the return also brought us a sixth this year and a fifth next year so I mean that that's a pretty nice return you get a sixth round pick cornerback with a lot of upside with a you know that NFL ready size that NFL ready speed that NFL you know he shines that NFL ready skill set that probably will need some work um, to really get him to the level that we want him to be at but you're learning from Steven Nelson and Darius Slay so I think this guy came into a golden opportunity to learn from and to really refine his game and Zach Ertz let's face it He was becoming a free agent at the end of the year, and the contract was going to Dallas Goddard, and Dallas Goddard's going to be the tight end of the future in Philadelphia. And I think it was becoming pretty obvious because there was a report earlier at the end of last week or earlier this week that was saying that Zacherts was not going to take a a hometown discount. He wasn't going to take a pay cut. Nothing was going to be figured. A new contract wouldn't be figured out before the trade deadline, and he was likely being moved anyways. So personally, I think this is a win-win situation with the amount of salary cap that we still have to use. I feel like the comp pick wasn't going to equate to this type of return. The comp pick likely would have been canceled out by how he's spending in free agency at some point, because we'll probably once all the contracts settle, we will probably have between 20 and 30 million dollars of cap space. Um, so I figure, you know, how he's going to go out, how he's going to spend and how we realize, you know what, the comp pick probably is going to get canceled because I'm going to go out and I'm going to address some needs. Yeah, um, probably. Um, the one thing you said, which, I'm hoping is is correct is that they are going to give Dallas Cotter a contract. I mean, I get they're going to probably wait until the end of the year, but now there's a potential that that contract could be a lot more than if they were to sign him within the next say two weeks or so, because now that he is going to be the the number one, you know, tight end, get all the, all the snaps, all the, you know, targets for the most part from the tight end position, um, you know, he, he, he could have a, breakout year the rest of this year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. In, in terms of, of Zach Ertz, the fa- he went into Thursday night. N- nobody knew but Howie and, and obviously uh, Lori that, and Zach, you know, that, that he was going to be traded shortly. Nobody knew it was going to be, you know, the very next day. But 
you know, I'm glad that he was able to go out playing his last game as an Eagle in front of the fans, a sold out link, able to score a touchdown. And, you know, look, Jalen Hurts didn't know that he was going to be traded the next day. He didn't like, he didn't have to target Ertz as much as he did. Ertz being able to get that touchdown was, was awesome. Just, and, and as Ertz said, you know, in the press, his, his many, you know, media availability the day after, or, you know, or the day he got traded, you know, getting the touchdown so early, he was able to relax, you know, and able to go out and then kind of enjoy the, the being in that Eagles uniform for a last, for the last time. Um, we know he's going to be an Eagles hall of famer. Um, he's got the most important catch in Eagles history. Um, back in the Super Bowl, the game-winning touchdown catch. Um, and, you know, is he going to be a pro football Hall of Famer? Potentially, yes. You know, I'm not saying he is, but, you know, because I think it is tough for the tight end position um, and some of the guys that he's going to be battling up against. Because, you know, Antonio Gates, potentially, we know Tony Gonzalez is in there. But, you know, Rob Gronkowski, whenever he's done, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So it, it'll be interesting, you know, when – he does, and, and obviously Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Um, I'm not saying that Ertz is, is finished yet, but whenever he, he does retire and, you know, that window goes, um, the, the five-year window before he can become eligible, it'll be interesting to see. But we do know that he, he's going to be an Eagles Hall of Famer. Number 86 should be retired. And I know you can't really retire a lot of numbers in the NFL because uh, you only get 100 of them, but, um, and they already have a bunch, bunch retired. But nobody should wear 86. Um, again, the, the best tight end in team history, second um, in reception yards in team history. I mean, it, that's the one thing. He, he was 11 short of tying, was it, Harold, Car, Harold Carmichael. Um, <clears throat> it would have been nice if he could have gotten those 12 to, to become the, the top pass, you know, pass catcher. Like when Jimmy Rollins, before he got traded, he became the all-time hit leader for the Phillies. Um, and then he, went, he got traded. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for um, Zach Ertz in Arizona. And the one thing that he's going to get out in Arizona, you have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Tyler Murray, you have A.J. Green, you have Christian Kirk, you have Rondell Moore, you have James Conner. Like, he is going to see a lot of one-on-one. That middle of the field is going to be open for him. And he, he has a chance to, to, to flourish in, in Arizona's offense under, you know, Cliff Kingsbury in that air raid attack. And, and that could help his value going into, into free agency if he were to either re-sign in Arizona or sign elsewhere, you know, get himself his last big contract. But, you know, you said it, how he got what he, he got more than he probably could have got um, earlier and potentially later as we got closer to the trade deadline. Um, you know, getting Tay Gowan, as we you talked about, he, he has potential. And I, I, I know we use that word potential a lot, but th- that's kind of where we're at with the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Seeing what they have, potential or seeing the potential they have in some of these young guys that are on this roster. Um, but when that news came out that he got traded, I was a little sad. Like it's Zach Ertz. He's been here. He's like almost, almost like Brian Dawkins. You know, you would not, you don't want to see him in a different color uniform when Brian Dawkins didn't resign and sign with the Broncos. That was one of the toughest ones to, to see. <clears throat> I'm not retiring in an Eagles uniform. And it's kind of the same thing now with Ertz. We, we, kind of anticipated that he wasn't going to be back to start the season, Connor. But when he was back, it was like, all right, he'll, he'll finish out the year. Um, and then maybe we'll go forward. He probably won't be back next year, but, and, and at least we'll get to see a final full season with him. But the fact that we only got six games, um, I am glad. And I, I know it was a risk to play him Thursday night, 
Because if something would have have happened to Ertz, if he would have gotten hurt, you know, they wouldn't have been able to make that trade. But, you know, I think that that was more on Ertz wanting to play. He wanted to play in front of the fans. You know, what he said about being in Philadelphia, anybody that comes to play in the city of Philadelphia should watch that video because that's it. He gets it. You know, Ertz, admit it. You know, (laughs) he never saw snow before, and then they had the snowball game. uh, um, And he was like, I'm not fit to be in Philly, but – after about three years, you know, his work ethic, uh, you know, his foundation, everything, he became a staple of this community. And I'm, I'm glad that, like, the Earth Family Foundation is still going to be, like, you know, pretty much located here in the city of Philadelphia. And, um, you know, when he, he, when he retires, he's going to retire like LaShawn McCoy, retire as an eagle because that's what he is. He's, a, he's an eagle for life. Um, so it, it's going to be sad to see him play in a different uniform. But I'll be I'll be rooting for him when he's not playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Hope he gets a second ring with the Cardinals this year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think his mind's gonna be blown at the how dramatically different this offense is gonna be than what he's <laughs> oh, been yeah. playing in in the last five oh, years. Like yeah. his mind is about to be blown beyond belief. But yeah, I completely agree with everything you said there. But uh, we have to remember as Eagles fans. One of the biggest things that we've been screaming at Howie Roseman is stop going for the veterans. Stop trying to keep the people at home that aren't ne- don't necessarily need to stay here. We continue to say that, and I understand there's reason to be sad about Zacherts, but this is one of those circumstances where Howie could have easily done Howie things and said, I'm going to keep Ertz till the end of the year. We're going to get nothing out of this guy. He's going to leave us in free agency. But he didn't. So I commend Howie for his... Um, for how smart he was he took advantage of the opportunity that you know there's been a ton of injuries overall he took advantage of the fact there's a team that had an injury at the position they're a team that is well on their way to making the playoffs well on their way to being a real threat to make it to the super bowl and a tight end like zacherts makes a massive difference so i think this was really smart of him i think it's important that you know we can't have it both ways when it comes to this fletcher cox situation which we'll talk about and he looked really good against Carolina I get it but when it comes to some of these situations where there's a lot of dead money piled up already and where they've been veterans of the team we want them to stay so bad but they're not producing to the level we need to we need that space that money for other people Howie is finally starting to turn take a slight turn in the right direction for me and that he's not sticking with it old Howie two years ago Howie if it was Zach Ertz's contract up this year, he he would have played it all the way through. I can guarantee you he would have played it all the way through. He would have lost all the value and all the leverage. And we would have lost a, like you said, a potential future Hall of Famer for nothing. At least he got some sort of value out of it. So No, I'm I'm done with Howie. And I want to sw- make this switch over. Um, and you mentioned how Zach Ertz is going to see the, strack, the, the, the stark difference between the Eagles offense and the the Cardinals offense, the Philadelphia Eagles offense is broken. Uh, Nick Sirianni is way over his head. He has no idea what the hell he's doing. The, the the first half offense, pretty much almost the entire season, especially the last two weeks, has looked awful. Um, they they got down big against uh, bigish against you know Carolina before it, being able to make a comeback. Um, they they got down twenty eight to seven against the Tampa Bay Bucks before scoring fifteen points late in the game to make it a ball game. Uh, but this offense is broken. Um, that look, he he was asked in his press conference if he's going to give up play calling. He said he's not. Something needs to change. I don't know if they don't have trust in Jalen Hurts because they run 
one type of offense. It's a one read offense and it's, it's a terrible one read offense. Um, you know, and, and they don't run the freaking football. Like it's, it's so ridiculous that Miles Sanders, I think his number in the six games this year, the six games in the first half, Miles Sanders has like 13 carries in six first halves. It shouldn't happen. This offense needs to be fixed. And I don't think Nick Sirianni's the guy. I really think they screwed up making, uh, making this coaching hire. Uh, you know, we saw his, his very first press conference. We were like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And yes, he started to grow on some of us. But I think, you know, I know, you know, our first impressions are usually correct. And I think our first impressions were correct with Nick Sirianni. And I know like Jeffrey Lurie doesn't want to fire a coach after one year. And it, pretend, it probably won't happen. And I know definitely no, it won't happen in, in season. But they really need to, to talk this out because they need, they're not going to get a new owner, obviously. But they need a new general manager. They need a new coach, head coach, a new coaching staff, maybe even a new quarterback. Or the, one, the one thing we needed to get answered this year is, is Jalen Hurts the guy. And I think it's tough for us to answer that question because this offense is awful. They're not putting Jalen Hurts in the best position to succeed. And I don't know. And I don't, I honestly don't know if that's because he's just not good enough and they don't trust him or if Sirianni's not good enough and his offense is terrible. Like we, we, we know that Chip Kelly had a very simplistic offense, but it worked. They were able to move the ball. They put points on the board. Like the, the Eagles weren't on the field a lot offensively. And they had a lot of uh, three and outs that took like 30 seconds. But still, Chip Kelly's offense had levels to it. Nick Sirianni does not. They don't like to run motion. They don't like to run the ball. They don't like to do anything that helps out a quarterback. And it's making Jalen Hurts look bad in a lot of people's eyes. And I can't answer the question, is that because Hurts isn't good? Or is it because of this offense that he's playing in? And if, if you're not able to answer that question, you have to get rid of the head coach. And... I don't, again, I don't know if Lori's, Lori and Roseman are going to do that. Like they, and maybe they won't because they hired the guy they wanted. They hired the puppet. They hired somebody that's going to do what they want. And that's why they didn't go out and hire a, a McDaniels or wasn't able to get Salah Sala under contract or able to get Staley. I would love to have a Brandon Staley. Um, maybe that's why, you know, they had to, to, to live with hiring Nick Sirianni. But whatever it is, it's not working. And it's a it's it's every week it's frustrating to watch. I miss the the stale, predictable Doug Peterson offense compared to what we've been seeing this season with Nick Sirianni's offense. Yeah, I mean it's it's easy to sit there and point out how it changes in the the second half of games, which it's fine, of course you can point that out, but it's only because they get desperate they have to start making things happen. Jalen Hurts looks more like he puts the team on his back in those second halves of games and then uh Nick Sirianni does it as a play caller and it, it's it is extremely frustrating is it's hard to watch it's sad to watch even when the game script was going against us last week uh or two two weeks ago no last week against the Buccaneers they started using Miles Sanders and Miles Sanders got more yardage than most of the passing game got because we have to remember about 50 yards of the passing work came on penalties to uh for Jalen Reger in Jalen Reger's favor so like even when the game script was bad for us 
like maybe the game script never gets that out of hand if you use the run game. And I understand like you'll sometimes, you know, you run the ball, he gets two yards. I'm guessing, you know, Nick Sirianni sitting on the sideline. Well, what a waste that was. And then he backs out for the next three drives and does not use the run at all. Makes no sense to me. And then you see it succeeding and he leverages it and uses it. But that's not how he has to play it. He needs to make it. He needs to have it work both ways he can't just get frustrated with it completely cut it out of the playbook for two or three possessions and then just keep giving the ball back um like they like they have been and I mean we were talking about it before we came on the air the the Philadelphia Eagles currently rank 31st in average time of possession per drive and 27th in average plays per drive that can't happen what do you know who 32nd with average time of possession is? I do not. I will I will look into that, though, and, and get that information before the end of this episode's out. But that's just, you don't win with that. You you just don't win with that, especially when your average starting position ranks 19th in the NFL. So you're not getting the worst average start position, but you're doing the worst with that starting position. And that's just, you know, that's just unacceptable. Like, it's so stale. It's so stale. The amount of screen passes, I can go without seeing screen passes for the rest of the year. Oh, my even, God. So even if they work, even if they were to start working, I could do without seeing any more. This stat from the Carolina game on screen passes, the Eagles were 8 of 8 for 5 yards. That seems impossible. 8 of 8. Okay, that's fine. But they got 5 total yards. Every time they were throwing the ball to Miles Sanders, he was – 30, he was, I think he caught six passes, five or six passes in the Carolina game, pretty much all behind the line of scrimmage. They were all for like negative five yards before he was able to get upfield. So like this offense does not work. And, and Sirianni's excuse seems to be, you know, we're calling RPOs and Jalen is running or he's passing it instead of doing the run portion. Stop calling RPOs then. Stop calling RPOs. Call a legit run play and let let the offensive line get off of the ball knowing that it's going to be a run play. That's what the Eagles need to do. There was there, there was even some circumstances when I was watching and he actually handed it off and it really looked like he wanted to pull it back. Like you could tell when it came out of his hands, he was so awkward about it coming out of his hands. It looked so unnatural that I think he was actually seriously th- like there was one big run play that very first big run play by Miles Sanders against the Bucks um in the second half he looked I guarantee you he thought he fumbled I think he wanted to pull that ball back I don't think he wanted to hand that off but I completely agree with you if that's not working if giving him the option is not working that that's not good this this, this sounds a lot like and I hate to make the comparison but Jared Goff he needed, and I mean, he's looking a lot better this year, given his circumstances, but he needed Sean McVay in his ear the entire time telling him, this is what I see, this is what you need to do. And it so feels like Jalen Hurts needs someone in his ear right up until the last second to make the call and say, okay, I see this, Make I, we're going to do this RPO, but you got to, this is a run, this is a run, like, he needs to be able to make that decision. He needs to be able to read off and read the defense and make that decision himself. Thi- and I don't think the thing he about can. Jer- and the thing about Jared Goff is he has yet to win a game without Sean McVay as his head coach. Now, uh, so that that's like 
you're right because you saw it in the Super Bowl when they when they went to the Super when the Rams went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. What did they do? They um the what did the Patriots defense do? They waited until the the helmet mic shut off, which I think is at like the 15 second mark of the play clock, and then they made switch their defense. And Jared Goff had no idea what to do. So yeah, that's what it seems like. And you know, you need to get a put. You need a quarterback friendly offense around a around a quarterback like this. I was watching uh, Oklahoma yesterday. Like I'm like, let me get him. Let let me get Lincoln Riley to be the Eagles head coach with this quarterback, and 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 it would look way better. At least he has experience running a program. He has experience calling the plays, and and that's what the Eagle or that's what Nick Sirianni is missing. He doesn't have the experience. He don't, and he I don't know what type of or who who's who's in that room when they put this offensive game plan together. I'm assuming Shane Steichen. I'm assuming Jeff Stoutland. I'm assuming uh, who's the quarterback coach. I think it's Chris Johnson. Like I'm assuming they're all in the room when Sirianni's like, all right, this is what I want. The first 15. I don't even know if he does the first 15 because they go three and out almost every time. And their the, their first what first quarter first quarter and a half of play calls besides that opening drive against Tampa and a, a granite. A 45-yard pass interference penalty helped big time. They look awful. So I don't, I don't know what needs to happen, but the, Nick Sirianni needs to figure out. Self-scouting this week, 10 days in between games between the Buccaneers and the, and the Raiders, they need to figure it out. Because if they don't, this is – which what you know, we came in here, look, the Eagles are probably not a playoff team. Um, so they, they might um, – it, it, it could be a long season, but it's turning into an even longer season just because this offense is so inept. The first four weeks, we were we were mad at the, the defensive coaching staff. They seem to have made this adjustments. Uh, the last couple of games, Darius Slay has been shadowing the team's best receiver. Mike Evans didn't do much la- uh, against us Thursday night. DJ Moore didn't do much against us last week. Darius Slay had two picks against Carolina. They may, they've started to make adjustments. They started to move Fletcher Cox into where he feels more natural, where he feels right. But this offense has not made any adjustments. So we, we, we talked about how, um, you know, Nick Sirianni went and, and kind of chewed out the defensive coaching staff. Who's going in and chewing Nick Sirianni out? Because that needs to happen. If, it, if we don't see any changes against, you know, in the next two weeks against the Raiders and the Lions, you know, changes need to be made. And, and if they have to be forced upon, they better be forced upon. Um, and just uh, for the average time of possession, 32nd team, they're actually 10 seconds less per drive behind us. Seattle Seahawks. Um, but then Not really j- the, the teams around us like this is how pathetic it is. Jacksonville 30, New York Stinks. Jets 29, Stink. Houston Texans 28. Stink. Miami Dolphins, 27. Those Stink. are the five worst teams in average time I'm of possession. I'm shocked that in Seattle. <laughs> I mean, I guess they, they do move pretty quick. They've been having a really bad season. Um, so, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. They haven't had much of a run game because Chris Carson's been pretty and banged up and stuff. Too, so. And now Russell Wilson's out. So maybe the time of possession could get a little bit better based on that. But I think it only gets worse, honestly, for Seattle. But the fact that they're 10 seconds behind, that's the biggest gap. If you go up and down this chart, that's the biggest gap between the person and in front the of them. Who has the top time of possession? 
Kansas City Chiefs, three minutes and 19 seconds. They have not, well, and they're, they're, they actually have a bad record, too, right now. And then the Cleveland Browns second, which is no surprise because yeah, Chubb and Hunt are destroying teams. So Yeah, Chubb is good. <laughs> yeah, but so move, you, I just had to break that down before we move into talking Carolina or Tampa. I don't know. We're kind of all over the place. But, I'm, you know, and I'm all because I'm, I'm just really angry about this offense right now. And, and you, we saw it in both games. So I've been kind of combining it. Um, but if, if you want, we can go to that quickly touch about the uh, Carolina game. You know, the Eagles offense, again, they started off poor, but the then they turned it around. And then defensively, defense was pretty good. Like Sam Darnold turned into New York Jets' Sam Darnold, um, which helped a lot. I think if if Car- uh, Carolina had a, any other – had a better quarterback, the Eagles get blown out in that game. You saw the deep pass to – I think it was to Robbie Anderson that uh, Avante Maddox was able to, to, to defend. Like if any – if that's a – Further, if that's leading the receiver, that's a touchdown, and that changes the complexion of that game. But it didn't happen. The Eagles took advantage of it, and they were able to score. Um, you know, again, using Jalen Hurts' feet. I don't. So, I don't count as as the run game. Like when the quarterback runs, they need to hand the ball off to Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. And Kenny Gainwell hasn't been seeing any act. Like what his snap count has gone down. A lot, and I have no idea why. It, it has to change. This is the the offense when the offensive line is beat up, and they are a better run block. I believe that they're a better run blocking O line than they are pass blocking O line. And your quarterback is struggling, like Jalen Hurts has st- done in at the beginning of games pretty much this entire year. That's where things need to change. That's where you need to help your quarterback out and run the football. And they're not doing it right now. And it's it's beyond frustrating. Agreed. I mean, we rank fourth in yards per attempt in rushing at 5.2. We have two running backs averaging over four and a half yards per carry. And they're not getting work. And it makes no sense. They have the 28th ranked attempts in the league. But the 15th best yards, 11th best touchdowns, fourth best yards per attempt. That screams that we have an above average, if not a a top tier Russian attack, and it gets used as if it's one of the worst Russian attacks in the NFL. And to me, that just, I cannot connect the dots there at all. And and Kenneth Gainwell, same thing. Last, uh, what was it, the Panthers game? Yeah, it was the Panthers game. Two carries for 16 yards. That's an 8.0 average. And he got stopped at two carries. How can you even suggest that that makes any sense to not have a mix of Sanders and Gainwell. Sanders, 11 for 45 with a 4.1 average. He only got 11 carries. It, j- I agree. I just cannot make any sense of, of the what needs to be said, what needs to be done to get the, this Russian attack involved. And if you start getting the Russian attack involved, people don't aren't able to sniff out the RPO like we saw against Tampa Bay. There were plays blown up in the backfield that had no chance from the snap. You pretty much saw it blowing up before the snap even went. Screen passes that were blowing up behind the line of scrimmage. Everything. Like Tampa Bay was reading our offense like a book on thursday night and that that's not good because you can't they haven't established a run the pass game isn't great your quarterback isn't running the rpo properly so all of that combined has created this really ugly circumstance with the offense ugly is a good way to put it because it it looks really really ugly and 
you know, t- on, going to the Tampa Bay game, Tampa came into the to the game giving up around 50 yards rushing per game. Miles had like 60 yards rushing in like the th- third and fourth quarter alone. So give the guy a chance. It'll help your quarterback out. It'll help your offense out. It'll help your defense out by keeping them off the field if you can get first down and stop going three and out with the, you know, our 31st ranked time of possession offense. Like it'll help out all aspects of the team. I don't know what Sirianni looks at. I don't, during the week, I have no idea what he, what he looks at. You know, he, he, he comes in and he talks all this, he, he talks all this stuff. Like, you know, it's, it starts with me. I'm tired of hearing it starts with you. Fix it if it starts with you. Because if you're not going to fix it, if the Eagles had a bye week, I know the Eagles bye week isn't until what, week 13, I think. Um, if they had a bye week closer to like, if they had a week seven, week eight, week nine bye week, and things continued like this, I wouldn't be shocked if a decision was made then to make a change. But the fact that the bye week is until week 13, pretty much the, ent- the end of the season, if the Eagles are going to make a, a, a change at, at, at coach, it, it's not going to happen until the end of the season. Uh, and that's kind of where I stand with that. And that's what I, 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 I'm still of the belief that they should make a change if things don't change. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I can see it, but I mean, like we we talked about this at length in the last episode, and and I just don't see any way that this is at that this can actually happen. That Nick Sirianni get let go because it's a retooling, and if you retool and then you turn over the whole coaching staff a second time in two years, you're just there's a good chance you may be setting your retooling back, and you're just it, it's time to enter into more of a rebuild. So, I mean, I just don't see any possible way that they can give up on Nick Sirianni. But, I mean, Jonathan Gannon, he made some changes in the Tampa Bay game that we didn't see. He even made some changes in the Carolina game. And those changes looked good. You could tell that the defense seemed to be functioning better. Things were looking way better since he got, you know, chewed out or whatever happened there on that Monday post game where they got blown out against the Chiefs. Um, But, like, it it's just it's something does have to change on the offense i mean one positive that i can take away from the tampa bay game is quez watkins is clearly taken over from jalen regger which is good because i think the quez watkins can do so much more than jalen regger quez watkins i don't think it's clear they still keep they still keep jalen on the field as the number 2 they, they do. They they do still keep him on there. It and should I mean, be Watkins. It definitely should be Watkins. You saw like the catch that Quez Watkins made in that game off the tipped pass. That would never have happened with Jalen Reger. And the only reason Jalen Reger looked good at all was because he drew two huge DPIs. So of course we're sitting there and we're saying, wow, that was really good. But I mean, one of those was a severely underthrown pass that any of us could have turned around and walked back into the defender to draw that DPI. So it was just, to me, Quez Watkins has to be the wide receiver too. He can do so much more. When you screen pass to him, if you slant pass to him, you can throw the deep pass to him. You can trust him. He made some tremendous catches. He looked so good. He should have had that, he should have had that DPI in the end zone. It was him, I think, who had the, uh, the, the pass in the end zone and it was going to be a beautiful catch and, the defender went all body on him and broke, broke, and clearly it was a DPI, but he didn't get the call. I think it was and, Watkins. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Quez Watkins. That, that should have been a DPI. That should have been a Quez Watkins touchdown. Jalen Reger would never, I don't think, would have been able to make that type of play. Like he, Quez Watkins is making acrobatic plays. Here we were sitting there saying, 
oh, he's just, it's all about speed. He's just fast or whatever. No, he he is a lot more than just that. His concentration, his ability to know where he is on the field and what he's trying to do is tremendous. Him and Devonta Smith can be a deadly combination. But, I mean, I understand why they don't want to give up on Jalen Rager, the draft capital, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to. You can't continue to sit there and say, Howie has to, Howie and Nick Sirianni have to understand Howie has screwed up multiple times with draft picks and it's time to let go when we have to let go if he's the third best wide receiver in the room or the fourth best option in the receiver room because you're probably going to go smith goddard Watkins in that order then it's time to bury him where he belongs give him his 50 percent snap share get him out there on plays where you can manufacture the touches for him but he does not need to be seeing 60 70 80 percent of snaps any longer for this football team yeah quest Watkins is definitely the better choice as you saw against Carolina, he had that big, I think it was a 50-yard uh, pass in the in the second half. So, yeah, I don't know if it'll if if it'll change, but it needs to. If you're watching tape, if you're Aaron Moorhead, the receivers coach, coach if you're uh, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, the head coach, if you're watching and you 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 put up film comparing <clears throat> film of Watkins and film of Rager, and you see that and you watch the film, you can't tell me that that Watkins isn't the better player. You take the numbers off the jerseys and you just watch it. Those, the, the guy that's on the left is Watkins. The guy that's on the right is Rager. And you don't know. Obviously, you don't know because the numbers are off and whatnot. You're watching. You'll see that the guy on the left is, is better. And it's helping the offense better. So hopefully that <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Hopefully they are able to, to see that and do make that change. Uh, and give Watkins more of a, of a lion's share of the of the play playing uh, of the place and of you know, the share. The other thing is you were talking about the DPIs uh, on on Tampa Bay. If Jalen Hurts has a better arm, it leads Rager, and potentially I don't I'm not saying Rager's going to catch it, but it, it gets them out there and maybe they catch a touchdown. Like maybe Rager catches the touchdown. That's one thing that Hurts uh, needs to improve on too. And again, I don't know if that's what's affecting some of the play calling for Sirianni. And again, I don't know if we're able to judge. Um, excuse me, I don't know if we're able to to judge Jalen Hurts yet because we don't know if it's the offense and we don't know if it's him. It's just looked really, really bad pretty much this entire season. Definitely. And I mean, the thing with Jalen Hurts for me, I think it's an anticipation and an accuracy thing, because even on some of the plays where he's hitting guys, he's still it's not thrown on time. He's waiting too long. If you see a guy, he's gone, he's going, you throw immediately. That That's that's the point, the anticipation and the accuracy. I don't trust. I, I have no issue with his his arm strength. I think he's got he's got is not, you know, it's not Justin Herbert, but it's good. You know, it's a it's a good arm. It's a solid arm. It's going to get the job done. But his anticipation and his accuracy need to improve dramatically because you can even if you're throwing the side, the ball half a second too late in the NFL. That's the difference maker. That's the massive difference maker. Like by the time he anticipates that he needs to throw, he's too late. And that has to change big time for Jalen Hurts. He really needs to fix that aspect of his game, accuracy and anticipation. Yeah, this isn't college. Like in college, you're especially playing in the Big 12 at Oklahoma, you know, where they don't play defense. Um, you got the, you have CeeDee Lamb and you have uh, Marquise Brown. Like you have these receivers just running wide open at Oklahoma. 
in that offense that Lincoln Riley has set up over there, and it's going to make you look really good. In the NFL, cornerbacks' defenses are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, you know, and, and they're smarter, so they're going to set you up. And, I, and hopefully Jalen Hurts can learn from that. Again, we have 10 days between Tampa and the Raiders. Um, I don't know, you know, hopefully they're watching film and they expand this offense. It needs to be expanded. It's too simplistic. Like when I'm assuming when, when uh, opposing defenses are watching our, our offense, they're laughing in, in, in their defensive meeting rooms. Cause I would be laughing too, because it's the same shit every time. And it's annoying as hell. Definitely. And, and I'm a, I know that we've spent a lot of time ragging the offense. I do want to shout some of the defense out because I do think that there is some positives as we uh, get near the end of the show. Um, against Carolina, the defensive line, really good. The pressure that they were able to create was exactly what they needed to do. They needed to make Sam Darnold uncomfortable because he's not the world's most accurate quarterback when he's under pressure. Um, and, and they did a good job of that. I mean, you look at it, two QB hits each for Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave, and Fletcher Cox. And whenever Javon Hargrave got doubled, Fletcher Cox took advantage. Whenever Fletcher Cox got doubled, Javon Hargrave took advantage. Whether that was in the form of creating a pressure or creating a QB hit, it didn't always have to translate into a sack. It just had to translate into something that was some sort of pressure, something that took Sam Darnold off his game, and they did a really good job of that. One person, and he had a pretty good game, but I feel like overall, since he got his extension, I'm not seeing enough from Josh Sweat. I want to see more from Josh Sweat. I know in the Carolina game, he had four total tackles. He had a sack. Um, so, I mean, I understand that that statistic is out there, uh, that it looks a lot better that he has a sack, but overall the season has not been that great overall. If you look at it, if you, if we could take away the Derek Barnett penalties, which we cannot, which we wish we could, Derek Barnett has outplayed Josh Sweat this season. Well, and that's not what you want to see right now. You said you want to see more from Josh Sweat. I want to see more from all the defensive ends, you know, Sweat, Kerrigan, Barnett, um, Jackson, they all, Milton Williams, when he's out there, they really, really, really miss Brandon Graham. They're, they're getting zero pressure from the defensive ends. You can't keep relying on Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox to be the guys that get you the pressures. It, it can't happen, especially when um, Gannon doesn't like the blitz. Now, he's, he started to blitz a tad bit more the last couple of weeks, but when, you're, when your quarterback, or excuse me, when your defensive coordinator does not like the blitz, you need to to get pressure from the front four and the defensive ends are not doing it at all. Defensive ends have been really bad since Brandon Graham ha- got hurt. Also the linebackers are non-existent. Like against Carolina, Davion Taylor got more playing time and he looked good. They, they kind of went with the Davion Taylor, Taylor, um, TJ Edwards look at linebacker and, and against that offense of Carolina, they, again, they looked good, but when, when they went up against Tampa, Tom Brady destroyed the linebackers. That middle of the field was open. The linebackers had zero clue what to do. And I hope with with the draft capital that the, and and the the, the the money that the Eagles are going to have that they prioritize at least one linebacker. Like we're we're starting to see why Alex Singleton was a CFL linebacker and just a special teams guy. He's not a starting caliber linebacker in the NFL. Eric Wilson, kind of starting to see why Minnesota gave up on him. 
he's eh, he's not that good. TJ Edwards has potential. Um, we saw that he got the block punt against Carolina, which was the big key to that game, kind of turned that game around. But he hasn't really made many plays out, you know, in defense. And again, Davion Taylor is just starting to get some some playing time, but he's also somebody that is is really lacking the experience at the linebacker position. So they really need to find a way to prioritize the linebacker position. I know they don't do it, but that has to change. And the defense is probably isn't going to be good again until that happens. Definitely. They got eaten alive against the Bucs. Mm-hmm. It, it was terrible. And Alex Singleton, 11 missed tackles on the year. Listen, he's got 67. I get it. That's an impressive number at this point in the season. But it takes – he also misses a lot of tackles. And a lot of these guys just get run over. I mean, Leonard Fournette, man, he put his shoulder down and those linebackers just bounced off of him. It was unbelievable. Like, the, I don't understand, like, where it is. Do they do they not wrap and tackle anymore? Is it just the lead with the shoulder and pray type of tackle? Like, some of these and tackles ta- were just bad. They don't practice it in, um, in, in training camp or in practice at all. They don't mm-hmm. hit. It's all, it's all. Let me just two hand touch type of deal, and it's showing on defense for the Eagles. And I just wanted to point something out because uh, we were talking about how much do we miss Brandon Graham and stuff. Brandon Graham had three pressures on the year in two games. Derek Barnett has twelve in six. Javon Hargrave eleven in six games. Josh Sweat seven in six games. Fletcher Cox five in six games that's not great that you can say Brandon Graham is still that close to you from a pressure standpoint. And he only play he's all, he played a third of the games that, that some of these guys have played. That just goes to show you definitely are, they're definitely missing Brandon Graham a lot. And the pressure is definitely not coming from the front four. And I agree. They need to prioritize linebacker. They need to prioritize a guy, a do-it-all one, someone who can bring the pressure, someone who can also stand back and cut and do a, a feasible job in coverage. Um, and then you need a guy who can really do well in coverage. You, you you need it all. You need a Mike, you need a Sam, you need a weak side linebacker, you need it all. But if you can at least address two of those, and then you have Davian Taylor and you have TJ Edwards, you have Alex Singleton to fill in the other spot, that's fine. I can live with those guys as special team backup guys, but I cannot live with them as my everyday starter. It, it's starting to get really, really hard to to watch there. Yeah, like watching Tampa Bay's defense on Thursday. Devin White is really good. Like he is outstanding young linebacker. Mm-hmm. Shaq like, Barrett. Shaq, uh, like I, mean, I, I view Shaq Barrett as a defensive end more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I get. And I do want to point out one more guy before you move on uh, with your point. We had a chance to get this guy at the deadline last year. We did not get this guy at the deadline that last year. He did really good against us uh, in the Panthers game. Hassan Reddick. I really yeah. think there was an opportunity there. I get that he's not amazing in coverage, but he can bring the heat. He can bring the pressure. And yeah, he showed that sacks. against us. Exactly. Yeah, back-to-back sacks. Sh- sacks and like, going up against um, Mylotta. And you look at him on the year, he's having a real he's having a stellar season this he's six and a half sacks this year, twenty-one total tackles, one forced fumble. He's having a really good year. And this is someone who I believe um when he got traded or when there was talks that he he wanted out of Arizona, me and you were talking about. It. I said, I think we should take maybe we should take the shot on this guy. What 
what worse could it be for the linebacking room last year to try this out and see what happens? And I here he is, we, he ends up in Carolina, and he's blowing up this season. I wish. Now, I know we got a cornerback. I know we got Tay Gowan for, for Earth. If we would have been able to find a way to get, get Jordan Hicks, I'd have liked it. But I know that their first-round pick, um, I'm pretty sure he's hurt, and that's why Hicks is playing a lot more right now. But if we, I wish we could have gotten a linebacker. Uh, um, look, I, I get we, we need a, we have a need at corner too, but I if we could have re, again reacquired him, uh, reacquired Hicks to have him in back at the middle linebacker that would have helped tremendously. Jannard Avery is look I know they moved him from defensive end to linebacker, but I don't he's not a and he had a, a he had a dumb taunting penalty which I am over this taunting penalty I, I don't like he didn't really do anything but. As a player, when you're getting used and abused by Tom Brady, you can't. You have no, um, you know, leg to stand up on to taunt somebody. While it was a weak call, like it was unnecessary, very unnecessary. But um, we'll we'll see. We definitely got better from a penalty perspective. Four for forty-one <laughs> against Tampa Bay was definitely better. That taunting penalty. I realistically think that Tampa Bay was driving and going to finish that drive or end, end the game with that drive no matter what. But that was a huge stop that we really needed back no matter what. It could have changed the course of it. It could have put the ball back in our hands. When you know that it is a focus of the NFL, you walk away. Yeah. After every time, every time you just walk I'm just, away. Look, I it, think I think that was a point though where you Leonard Fournette hopped up and bounced straight into him. Don't don't yeah. act like Leonard Fournette is excused I, from his yeah, but they part always, in that they penalty either. Catch, they always catch the second person. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. No, that's I, one listen, thing that that Avery needs to understand. A, look, I get it, but you're 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 playing really bad. You're not like and and you you. You lead the league in penalties, so they're looking at you to to do something dumb. And then, even if Tampa would have picked picked up that that, you know, still been able to move the ball, it would have been third down. It would have been third and ten. But you give them a you give them an automatic first down. It's a, it's a game changing play for sure. But I think at the end of the day, that is a point. You know. That's under the microscope, but referees are under the microscope from the people paying for the game. The fans are like relentless on refs right now. That is a point where you stand there and you tell Leonard Fournette and you tell Alex Singleton, you hold that flag and you say, I saw both of you smarting the hell up because it's going to be penalties going both directions next time. That is a time where you step up as a referee. You make a warning. You take advantage. You get the, you get the opportunity to control that game and they did control that game they ended the game for the philadelphia eagles on that play but you get a chance to control that game as in take control of it so that it doesn't get out of hand and they literally took control of it by ending the game for the philadelphia eagles on that call um but i get it i understand it it's something that i was listening to the ross tucker podcast he had dean blandino on he said there are two things that the Eagles are getting penalized. Well, the taunting one, no. But ineligible man downfield is something the Eagles have been caught for a ton. And Ross Tucker asked about that. And he said, there are two things that the NFL wants their officials to focus on this year. And it was taunting and it was ineligible man downfield. Those were the two things they want. And the inability to run the RPO properly 
is the reason the Philadelphia Eagles got in that situation with the ineligible man downfield. And then, you know, they're looking at taunt and they don't give a shit. You could wag a finger. You could start to lift a finger. They're going to throw a flag is if they think that you're doing anything of a taunt in nature. So Dean Blandino explained it very well on the Ross Tucker podcast. When the NFL focuses on something like we saw last year with pass interference and stuff, they focus, they fixate on it and we're seeing it this year yeah we are and it's annoying because i like especially like some some of the taunting calls that i saw over the last couple of weeks where it's not even directed at the opposing team and they still throw a flag it's just annoying like again the nfl really does stand for the no fun league they don't want you to have any fun and it's an unfortunate thing because it could cost the team a game like it potentially cost the eagles the game thursday night against tampa and listen, uh, I like I get if it's egregious, it's got to be egregious, man. If if Leonard Fournette bumps into a guy and the other guy's in the middle of you know just just being pumped that he made a play, let that go. There's nothing egregious, but Leonard Fournette was being a baby about it anyways. They zoom in on his face and he's sitting there get, basically giving them flopped. the call. He's, he's saying exactly taunting to me. I, I think I tweeted about it. I said taunting to me is like flopping in the NBA. It's going to become an epidemic if it's not handled properly and if the NFL doesn't step in to make the proper calls to fix it. Well, look, it's true. Leonard Fournette's not at fault, but A, as I mentioned before, they always catch the second person. And B, like you mentioned, walk away if you're Gennard Avery. You're not you – you didn't do enough in the game to warrant – getting all up in Leonard Fournette's face, walk away and set up for third down because you're third and long. Potentially that Tampa doesn't get it. They punt it back to you. Your offense is moving. Maybe you go down and score a game winning touchdown, but we didn't get to see that because of that dumb penalty. No, exactly. But I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And, and the Eagles need to know better. They, they know the things that the league is going to look at and have under a microscope. So yeah, walk away. But I mean, we, we threw our jabs at offense. We threw our jabs at defense and we like the direction of the defense. I think it's time to get to uh, an unheralded player. I think. Yeah, it is. And one, one more note, Nick, this, this entire 10 day break. Well, it's not really a break, but this entire mini, mini bye week the Eagles have fixed the freaking offense. Cause if it's not fixed, Changes definitely better be made. All right, let's move to the unheralded player of the week for week five in the National Football League. Connor, you got. So we we joked about it before we came on the air and we were uh, saying, I think I want to go with, you know, Canadian pride Chuba Hubbard because I'm from Canada. And then you (laughs) pointed out, well, they lost. So it doesn't seem fair to put them there. Okay, that's fair. So I'm going with a guy that I was going to go with a couple weeks back, but he continues to perform, and he was somebody that Philadelphia, you know, might have been able to have. But I'm happier with Devonta Smith anyways, and that's Gregory Russo, the defensive end for the Buffalo Bills. Um, he went uh, up against Kansas City last week. Big win five, for Buffalo. Big win for Buffalo as well. Huge. Um, and he had five total tackles, uh, one sack, um, which – I, and which I really like, like, it's not like a humongous stat line. And he also had an interception in that game. So that's huge, especially when you're talking about a defensive end. 
and get in a, an interception. So for me, I've been wanting to say it, and and now it's time to call his name. I I, I believe during the draft process, Greg Greg Russo dropped because of potential character issues. I'm I'm almost certain that Buffalo is not worried about anything to do with him right now because he's having a really good season and he's definitely paying dividends. He's up to 18 total tackles, three sacks, and an interception. So definitely good for him. Yeah, good good call with that. I'm gonna go with. A guy who, when he was drafted in the league, um, he was primarily a kick returner receiver. Uh, he's moved around the league a couple times, but now he's with a coach who is using him properly. I'm going with Corderell Patterson. Uh, when he came out of Tennessee and by, uh, drafted by Minnesota, again, running, um, he, he was a receiver primarily and you know kick returner. But, but ever since getting to Atlanta this year, under Arthur Smith, he's used him as a running back. He's used him as a receiver. Kick return, he had over 100 to- uh, total yards of offense last week. Um, the week before, he had a couple of touchdowns. <clears throat> I would love Corderell Patterson in the Eagles, ba- um, Eagles uniform. A, I'd much rather have him than Jalen Rager returning kicks. And B, he's just that Swiss Army knife. He can do everything. with. He can catch the ball at the backfield, run the ball out the backfield, be split out as a receiver. He's, he's big, he's fast, he's long, he's tough to – to 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 cover one on one a lot of the times, and if you have a good quarterback throwing you the ball like Matt Ryan, like you can take advantage of that. So Cordell Patterson had a really good week as the as the Falcons picked up their second win against the Jets in London last week. Um, again, over 100 yards of total offense, doing pretty much everything for that Falcons offense. Um, and without you know Calvin Ridley and Justin Gage, uh, him and Kyle Pitts stepped up for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. So I'm going quarter out Patterson. I love it. I think, I think it's a great one. He has been like a fantasy, uh, you know, revelation. Like mm-hmm. it feels like we're going back to like 2015 here, uh, talking about Cordero Patterson being any type of relevant, but now you're right. It took, you know, you, we knew Arthur Smith, like he was coming in, he was known for, you know, running the ball with Derrick Henry, just mm-hmm. pounding the ball with Derrick Henry over and over again. But we've seen the types of things he's, he's still using a lot of, uh, a lot of twelve, a lot of eleven personnel. He's using a lot of two tight end sets. He's he's leveraging, you know, Cordell Patterson as a as a receiving and a rushing weapon. You know, like he he's doing the things that teams probably should have used Cordell Patterson for in the past. And Patterson saw a lot of playing time because of the injuries to Gage and Ridley. But he was doing so much with so little before. Like he was doing all that he was doing prior to this week with like thirty five percent snap. Counts mm-hmm. like that's crazy that he was doing stuff pretty much every time or every couple snaps on the field. So, um, yeah, shout out to Cordero Patterson. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, and again, I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of his, and I'm glad he didn't. He had a couple of big plays against us week one, but still, um, we'll see what he can do. You know, the rest of the season, and I think he's a better option off the backfield than Mike Davis is for that Atlanta offense. But when you have the injuries that they have, he can be split out anywhere, and um, it's he's really re- revitalized his, his career all right connor so we have the raiders next week we're not going to really touch base on that now we'll do that next week um before the game what are things that you would like to see or you hope the eagles do this week as they prepare for the raiders a head coach list raiders by the way after the whole john gruden situation uh we can we can touch on that next week as well since you know we won't have to do a recap, we can kind of do a deep dive into the the Las, Ra- the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Um, but what, what are your, what are you hoping that the Eagles are able to accomplish this week and put forth as they get, prepare for the Raiders? Well, the Raiders, what was looking like maybe not a winnable game is definitely looking mm-hmm. way more winnable based on before the Gruden situation. They were starting to look not fraudulent. I hate using the word fraudulent because they weren't looking fraudulent. They were looking like we knew they were. They mm-hmm. got off to a really good start. They Things were going really well for them. They were on a high. Then, you know, they lost the game. Then they the Gruden thing came out prior to their second loss. Then right after their second loss, John Gruden's out the door. So everything is there, – there is no way we can lose to the Raiders. This is this – is Don't the, say that. It, I know. Don't I say shouldn't that. say I know. I shouldn't say it too loud. But definitely work well, on they, the offense. This well, is a defense that can be exploited, but – their front four is really good. They get a lot of pressure from their front four, despite, you know, they don't have Khalil Mack anymore and stuff. But Max, Max Crosby's Crosby, a beast. You know, they got Rankins up there. They got some big boys in the middle, and they got some guys off the edge that are creating pressure. I would like to see Lane Johnson back. But whatever the dude is going through, it's far more important than football. It comes before football. So I'm fine with the situation we're in. But, man, Dillard was getting eaten alive on the left side from Shaq Barrett on on Thursday night. Think, that was hard to watch. Yeah, he was. Do you think that they should put go Maialata, Dickerson, Kelsey, Herbig, and Driscoll it, 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 until Lane Johnson's able to come back? Shaq Barrett's a tough competition no matter what. Max so Crosby's going to be good this think, week, too. Max Crosby's going to be good, too, but I don't think that it's going to be a circumstance where they feel like they're probably going to be like, ah, oh, that's a really hard guy to face. But, I mean, you did invest first-round draft capital in Andre Dillard. He's failed you. That is an opportunity to step up and prove, you know, stand up and prove your point. Um, yeah, but this is – we're getting to the point where, look, you have to you have to admit you made a mistake. You made a mistake with Dillard. Mm-hmm. You made a mistake with Rager. I'm tired of hearing – Oh, he's a first-round pick. We're going to give him a chance. He's a first-round pick and can't play. I don't want him out in the field hurting the football team. 100%. I just don't know if Driscoll would be that much better because, like, he's been decent, but he's looked at his struggles at right guard. So if you kick him out to tackle, is he going to be better? That, like, I don't know. I'm not 100% sold on if moving Driscoll to tackle and Mylotta back to the left side is going to be better. It'll be better for the left side, but what's it do for the right side? That's my thing, because my lot has done a pretty good job on the right side. He's no Lane Johnson, but considering he just learned football, just became a starter on the left side of the line, and then they're booting him over to the right tackle, like you got a lot of trust in a guy that made to make that type of move. Well, um, and he and he's a lot and he's more open to that than Dillard. We saw that he, game against yes. Seattle a couple of years back, and he got he he lasted a half. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But yeah. You, I think the defense is trending in the right direction. Keep doing what you're doing, Gannon. Keep making the moves. Keep bring a little more pressure. Keep bringing the pressure. You know, that's good. You know, Derek Carr is one of those guys. Create the pressure. Don't let Henry Ruggs get downfield on you. Um, don't let Darren Waller get open in the middle. That's going to be a oh, huge he's X be factor, a tough obviously. Um, he's going to be a tough cover. Yeah, massive X factor in the game for sure, given our linebackers. But, you know, like... Keep doing what you're doing. Keep changing things. Keep changing the looks. Keep getting better in that process. But it's all on the offense. The offense has to start bringing that A game. What we've been seeing in the second half, bring it for a whole damn 60 minutes, please. Yeah, and as a team, don't look ahead, but, like, the schedule gets a lot easier. Raiders, Mm -hmm. uh, Lions, then a a tough game against the Chargers. Like, the the, the schedule is is easier. Like, you're you're not going to see a Tom Brady Patrick Mahomes quarterback until 
Justin Herbert in three weeks. And then after Justin Herbert, maybe not until, what, Dak Prescott at the end of the year. So take it, you know, take it one game at a time. But this is where the, the defense can get healthy, and hopefully the offense can figure it out. Like, you can't keep – like, the reason why I wasn't that mad at the defense was, like, the, the offense, again, you three and out after three and out after three and out and putting, putting the defense out in a bad position. That's why it's tough to be mad at the defense. The offense has to mm-hmm. fix it and figure it out, and figure it out soon. Agreed. All right. Well, that, thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And follow me on Twitter at LJCorral54. And our partners over at Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL. And wherever you're listening to us, please rate, review the show, and subscribe. Let us know how we're, we are doing. The Eagles are 2-4 and four right now. A mini mini buy before they head to Vegas for the first time to face the Raiders. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour.